Happy Resurrection Day. He is risen. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to we're going to have a kind of great time this morning. The Lord has blessed us with uh, wonderful weather. Right now, they're calling for rain. All through the week, we said we're just going to wait and watch because God's good and He's giving us great weather. We're going to pray that at 9 o'clock it pours down and rains for a week. But right now, we're praying that it holds off. But we're glad you're here this morning. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit. We're going to have prayer. We're going to worship together. And um, so just hope you'll settle in and uh, prepare your hearts for a good morning. Amen. Amen. All right, so. On the night before his death, Jesus was arrested without cause in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was unlawfully tried in a kangaroo court complete with false witnesses. He was betrayed, abused, scourged, which included a beating with a cat of nine tails. He was spit upon, mocked, had his beard ripped out, and a crown of thorns thrust upon his head and into his scalp. He was then forced to carry his own cross to his own crucifixion. He was stretched out on that cross and nails were driven through his hands and feet. He hung on that cross for six hours and he died. His lifeless body was then taken down and buried in a tomb carved into the rocks. And a large stone was rolled in front of the tomb to seal the tomb. For three days, his family and his friends and followers, they mourned his death. For three days, the world thought that he was gone. For three days, Satan thought that he had defeated Jesus. And then we come to our passage this morning of Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. So they went and they saw. And and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell the disciples, his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. First ones, these ladies who were there at the tomb, first thing, they're the first ones who get to see him. And he, he meets them and says, rejoice. So they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. Folks, he is risen. As he said, he is risen. Amen. We ought to be excited about that this morning. We ought, that's why we're here this morning. We talk about every Sunday morning is resurrection morning. Well, tonight, this morning is the morning where we celebrate this. This is when we're talking about this. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He went through all of those things and he rose from the dead. He is, he, is, he is the same right now as he was the morning he came out of that tomb. That's right. Even all these years later, we should be filled this morning with great joy. I think with great fear as well. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
It's, it, it, we've got to start there. We ought to be filled with a great respect and awe of the Lord and filled with great joy. We're here this morning to again proclaim that Jesus has risen from the dead and has brought salvation to mankind. Folks, without the resurrection, we're, we're fools to be out here this morning. We're just foolish. We're wasting our time. This is, this is what, what a stupid religious practice we're doing if he didn't rise from the dead. But folks, he is risen, as he said. We should rejoice this morning as they did, and we should worship him this morning. And I hope that's why you're here this morning. I hope you'll join us in worship uh, through song here in a moment and through the word of God in, in, in just soon after that. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the plan that the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in eternity past laid out a plan to move in creation. The Lord, you understood and you knew even then that if to move in creation would mean that one day you would have to move in redemption. And you knew that it would cost your son Jesus his life, that he would come to this, this earth and become a part of his own creation, being born of a virgin and, and living a sinless life. And then going to the grave, uh, going to the cross of Calvary, and, and, and suffering and bleeding and, and dying in our place for our sin. Father, we, we, we thank you for the plan that you had to redeem man, to save us from our sin, to make a way for us to be redeemed. We thank you, Lord. We praise you this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to come and to do all that you did for us. Thank you this morning. We, we come here for one purpose, to worship and praise our risen Savior. Father God, I pray this morning that uh, you'll bless and you'll move and you'll work, that the Holy Spirit of God will move among us this morning, will speak to our hearts. I, I pray that the one that's closest to you will be drawn closer. And I pray the one that's farthest from you this morning will be, will be brought into right relationship with you this morning. So, Father, would you move and, and do what only you can do. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're able to, let's stand together. Just like the ladies, they went to proclaim that Christ was resurrected from the dead. I'm sure there's some neighbors that are sleeping this morning that have no clue about this, right? <laughs> let's wake them up, right? We're going to start with Graves in the Gardens. I searched the world. I searched the world. But it couldn't feel me. But it couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise. Man's empty praise. The treasures that fade are never enough. But you came along. Put me back together. Put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing, oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better I'm not afraid 
show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, but you've seen them all, and you still call me friend, cause the God of the celebrating the Lord doing today, you turn graves. You turn mourning to dancing. You turn beauty to ashes. You turn, you turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. Sing that again. You turn mourning. You turn mourning to dancing. shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the Well, it's a it's a great morning, great to be here, great weather. Uh, I'm going to make two quick announcements. I'm going to ask my brother, uh, my friend, and brother uh, brother Jim Milner, if he'll come up and, and, and pray at this time. But there, uh, if if you don't, uh, several sheets that are going around. So if you don't have a lyric sheet for the worship, you can raise your hand. Uh, anybody need a lyric sheet? We have a few that might need a lyric sheet. So whoever's handing those around, if we still got some of those, get those out. The other thing we have is a, a, uh, a scripture sheet. I know a lot of folks maybe don't bring their Bible out this morning, but uh, the passage we're going to preach from in a few moments, I want you to be able to read the scriptures as we go through that. So if you, if you need that, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Okay, so raise your hand, guys with those sheets. 
wherever they're at. All right, scriptures, scripture sheets. So wave your hand real, real, if you want the songs. And then if you need the scriptures, keep your hand up real high. And Garrett's coming there. He's going to take care of you. Uh, the other thing is, at the end of the service, we're going to we're going to observe very very simple communion. And so you you should have been handed uh, the cups coming in. The cup has the wafer on top. It looks like a little coffee creamer. You just peel the top piece there, and you'll find the wafer wafer. And then you peel again. There's another layer there that will open up for the the, the juice. And uh, we'll do that at the very end. So. The other thing is, if you don't have that, I'd like to make sure you have that now, okay? So if you did not receive that and you want that, uh, if you'll raise your hand now for that and just keep it up and we'll get around with that, okay? So guys that have those communion cups, there's, there's Dennis back there. So just keep your hand up high if you need a communion cup and they'll take care of that, okay? Um, the last thing I want to announce, and Jim, you can come on up, is uh, afterwards we're going to have just a light breakfast. Like continental type breakfast in the fellowship hall, and uh, so if you want to come enjoy this fellowship with us, hang out with us, we'd we'd love to have you. We want you to know that. Uh, I announced before that Sunday school could go forever today. Um, let me make it just one correction to that. Uh, if you have kids, don't just abandon the uh, nursery workers and the other workers. So try to pick your kids up at normal time. The rest of you can go all day if you want to. Okay, you can have your small groups all day long if you want to. Another hand here, what do you need? Communion cup right here. Right here up front. All right, Jim. Oh, you got it. Thank you, Jim. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. We just come corporately, Lord, and worship you. We have, I can't comprehend the love that you have for us that you would die, you would send your own son to die for our sins. Lord, but we thank you. We don't understand it, but we accept it. Thank you, Lord, for, for the love that you show us. Thank you for the many blessings that we have. Thank you for our community. Help us to be better Christians. Help us to show those around us who you are why we love you. Lord, be with us this week. Help us to make a difference. Thank you for this day. Thank you for Easter. And Lord Jesus, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you are able to, let's stand as we continue in worship today through singing.
Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just in time I need him. He's all he lives. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me. Along life's narrow way, he lives, he lives, salvation to impart. I'll just swear right now. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. All right, we'll try that again in a minute. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. I know my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Tap your neighbor, help us out, okay? You ask me how service possibly? I know it's a little strange, but let's just try this. I stand amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Think upon this and wonder how he could love me. A sinner condemned on while we sing out, singing how marvelous, how wonderful in my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. 
think upon this. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore that burden to Calvary, where he suffered and died alone. We sing This will be when when the rest of you love it. His face I shall see. What a joy will be my joy. Father, what a great thing we're coming to celebrate today. That, Lord, what an extension of love that you've offered to us. That, Lord, you took forth our sin and our sorrows. As we just sung, you made them as if every one of those sins and sorrows were yours. And, Lord, you bore that burden to Calvary where you suffered. You cried out words like, why have you forsaken me? You felt loneliness the first time, not the companionship of the Godhead. Lord, you died. It was said loud and clear, it is finished. And Lord, as we hear the echo through this community today, the reverb of what you did when you came out of that grave still echoes throughout every place your name is proclaimed. And so, Lord, today we come to celebrate you, to clearly understand you, Lord. And today, possibly, is the day someone gives their life to you, to see your grandness, to see what you've done for them, Lord, and to turn from their sins and repent and believe. Lord, we pray today that you just move in an effectual way through the power of your Holy Spirit. 
In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen. Amen, beloved. Feel free to grab a seat. Amen. Amen. Well, the title of the message this morning is The Good News of the Resurrection. That's quite fitting, right? The Good News of the Resurrection. Now, the best news this world has ever heard came from a graveyard just outside of Jerusalem. And we read that earlier where, where the news was proclaimed, he is, he is not here for he has risen as he said, Matthew 28, verse 6. Now, the, 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 that right there is the good news. That is the good news. It's in fact, it's not just good news, it's great news, actually. It's the greatest news ever declared to this world and, and to all of humanity. The news that he is risen, that he is, uh, that he is not in that grave anymore. Paul here, if you, have your, if you have your scripture, I want you to take that sheet out. It has 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be looking at the first eight verses this morning. Paul says here in verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I, I declare to you the gospel. So what is the gospel? A lot of times people want to know what is the gospel. What, what does that mean? And there's a lot of different answers people may give. But Paul gives us a very clear definition right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of what the gospel is. He says, I declare to you the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel means good news. That's simply that's what the word means. It just means good news. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so I want to read verse 3 and 4 just in the way of, of what, what, what Paul says is the good news. He said, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Now here is the gospel, the very simple, clear gospel, that Jesus Christ, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what we're going to look at this morning, the, the gospel. More, moreover, brethren, I declared to you the gospel. Now, it's often, um, not always, but it's often bad news that makes good news good. I was sharing this a few Wednesday nights ago. What, what may make something seem like good news? You go, well, what, what's so good about Jesus' death? Well, you got to understand why he did what he did. you got to understand the bad news of that in order to, to really grasp the good news of it. So we got to understand that truth, and those are things that we preach. We're going to preach truth, and you got to preach the bad news in order to understand the good news. So to illustrate that, you know, say somebody came up to you this morning and said, hey, hey, good news. Mark, great news. Your house isn't on fire. And Mark would go, well, that's, I, that's, I don't know if that's great news or not, because I never thought my house was on fire. So, you know, that's not, that's not really, doesn't seem like good news. But if Mark gets a call from the fire department and says, Mark, your house is on fire. It's burning right now. Mark will be upset. And if I came behind that with the news that Mark, Mark, hey, it's not your house. It's not your house that's on fire. You see the perspective of that? All of a sudden, when there's bad news, boy, the good news makes, it, it, that's the reason it's good news. Man, if there's no bad news, you go, I, but, but, well, great, my house isn't on fire. I didn't think my house was on fire, but thanks for sharing that with me. So it's the bad news. Often it's the bad news that makes the good news good. So what's the bad news that makes the good news good? The, the gospel, uh, about the gospel. So let's, let's look at this. What is it that makes the good news, the gospel, so good? Now, the bad news is found right here in, in verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4, we already read that, but read it again. Verse 3 and 4 says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins. Now, we'll stop right there. For our sins. Now, if you've got a pen or pencil uh, or, or you want to mark in some way, I want you to mark those words right there. Underline them, circle them, something. Our sins. 
because that's what we're looking at. That's the bad news, folks. We are sinners. We are sinners by birth. We are sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. We are sinners by our practice, the way we live our lives. And we are sinners that are condemned in our sin. The Bible says, Romans 3.12, There is none who does good, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Ezekiel 18.4 tells us, The soul who sins shall die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. There's bad news right there. The bad news is our sins. And so I, I, I ask you this morning, how many of you here this morning are sinners? Lift your hand. You're, you're, we're, we're sinners. Now, if you didn't raise your hand uh, this morning, then you've just added a little bit of, uh, a little bit of pride and, and maybe some dishonesty. Because, again, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word all... I'll give you a little Greek lesson here. The, the word all in Greek, it means this. It means all. It means all. All means all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, what is sin, people would ask. When we teach the kids in Bible club on Mondays. We teach them this. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that displeases God. Pretty much covers it, right? Anything we think, anything we say, or anything that we do that displeases God. Sin is a transgression against divine law or a law of God. Now, I'm certainly not proud of that. I'm not proud of the fact that I'm a sinner, but, but I'm not going to minimize it either because sin is dark, it's devilish, it's diabolical, it's destructive, and it's deadly. And, and if we act and act like it's no big deal, if we try to minimize it, we're not, doing, we're not doing anybody. Look, you can't receive good news if you don't understand first the bad news that we're separated from God by our sin. We are sinners separated from a holy God, and there is no way for us to save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We are hopelessly lost. Folks, that's the bad news. But so, so then the question, if that's the bad news, then what's the good news that obliterates the bad news? Well, it's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what we already read, that Jesus, he died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He rose again. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. First point I want to share with you is this. The good news was sacrificially provided. So the gospel, the good news that we've received, it was sacrificially provided. Again, verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. Listen, that Christ died for our sins. The bad news is our sin. That's the bad news. The good news is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Jesus died for our sins, so the good news is sacrificially provided. It was provided by the sacrifice of his death. It was our sins that were, were the nails that held him to that cross. See, Jesus died because of our sins, and he also died for our sins. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. you catch that? The just. Jesus was the just. He died for the unjust. That's us. He died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. That's how we can be reconciled to God is because of what Christ did for us. He died in our place, but uh, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him, he, God, made him Christ who knew no sin. The Bible's very clear. Jesus never sinned. He was not deserving of death. He was not deserving of, of that punishment. He was, that was for us. Right, we deserve that because of our sin. But Christ, God made Christ, made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us. He became our sin, folks. 
He was sin for us. He took upon himself on that cross our sin. It was laid upon him. The Father laid the sin of the whole world upon Christ on that cross. And he to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He took our sin, and when we place our faith in him, he places his righteousness upon us. It's not because we're righteous. It's because he's righteous, and he lays that upon us. Jesus knew no sin. He never sinned, not even once. He was perfect and sinless and holy. 1 John 2, 2 says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And that word propitiation means atonement. It's a, it's a satisfying of that debt. It's a satisfying of the sin and the, and the righteous, holy judgment of sin that God that had to be upon sin. And God did that through Jesus Christ. He was the propitiation for our sin. His atonement, his death for us satisfied God's wrath against, against that sin. He paid the price with his life to satisfy our sin debt and satisfied God's just wrath on sin. Now, sin is a debt that we owe, and we cannot pay it. There's no way we can pay that. Sin defiles us. And when you understand the word defiles, it, it pollutes us. Sin is not only what we owe, but it is what we are. Sin has dominion over us in that we are slaves to sin. As sinners, when we live in sin, when we haven't, we haven't come to a place of faith in Christ and been saved from our sin, we are living as slaves of Satan and, and to sin. We're a slave to that. All of us, without the Lord Jesus Christ, are in debt to God, defiled by sin, and dominated by Satan. When Christ took our place on the cross of Calvary, Jesus died for us. But see this, not only did he die for us, he, uh, he, he also died as us. Man, I've heard it said that way before. He died for us. Yeah, he died for us. But folks, for each one of us, he died as us. Because I was condemned in my sin. I was the one who deserved death because of my sin. And the Lord Jesus, as I laid on that cross, he took my hand and he raised me up from there and he took my place on my cross and he died for my sin. And he did that for each one of you as well. Amen. He paid our sin debt. He cleansed us from the pollution of our sin and he freed us from the power sin has over us. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ gave himself for me. He gave himself as me that he might give himself to me. And Jesus is living in me right now. If you have a relationship with Christ, he's living in you right now. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and, it's, and it's not Conrad living anymore. It's not Pastor Conrad. It's Jesus living in me. And I thank God for that. If you're born again this morning, you ought to be praising God this morning for what Christ did to make a way of, of, of salvation. Jesus' death on the cross was a sacrifice that provides salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number two. This good news was scripturally prophesied. Verse 3 and 4 again. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Look at this. According to the scriptures. Verse 4. And he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now we know what the scriptures are. We talk about the scriptures. When you turn to the scriptures, we turn to the Bible. But, but how was it that Jesus 
how is it that Jesus' death was prophesied when the New Testament, the scriptures, had not even been written? Well, what we're talking about here, Paul's talking about, is the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. But the Old Testament scriptures speak and prophesy of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and, his, and, his, and him being risen from the dead. It's, a, it's remarkable. What is remarkable about the death of, of Christ is that he died according to the scriptures. You can read Isaiah 53. His death was prophesied. It was prophesied this, that he would be betrayed by a friend, Psalm 41. It, that, that, his friend would, that his friends would scatter. That was prophesied in Zechariah 13, 7. That he would be falsely accused in Psalm 35, 11. That he would be crucified long before death by crucifixion was even invented. That was prophesied in scriptures. How, did, how, was that, how is that possible? Because God knows all. He knows all. He already knows what's going to happen. And so he revealed what was going to happen in the Old Testament scriptures. It points to Christ and his crucifixion death. And the crucifixion wasn't even a thing when that was written. That was prophesied long before in Psalm 22, 16. That he would be horribly abused and his body would be pierced, Isaiah 50 and Zechariah 12. That no bone of his body would be broken. That's Psalm 34. That he would be given vinegar and gall to drink in Psalm 69. That he would be with the rich in his death. Now what does that mean he'd be with the rich? Well, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. He would have been, that rich man's tomb would have been in a place where rich men, rich people were buried. He was buried among the rich. The Old Testament even prophesied that Jesus would rise from the dead. You go to Isaiah 53.10. So again, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now I just gave you eight prophecies about Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. I gave you eight prophecies that, 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 were, that were fulfilled. Eight of them. Now realize this. There were over 300 prophecies that were made concerning Christ that were fulfilled. Now I just want to share with you about these eight. Dr. Peter Stoner, a world-renowned mathematician and statistician, said this about taking just just eight of these prophecies. He said, according to the laws of statistical analysis and probability, what is the probability that just eight of these prophecies could be fulfilled without any error at all? He says the probability is one chance in sextillion. Now, if anybody knows what sextillion is, uh, you, 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 you get bonus points this morning. But I'll tell you what it is. Sextillion is this. If you write it out, it's one with 24 zeros behind it. One with 24 zeros behind it. One in a sextillion. So, so let me give you an illustration of what that would be. So if you covered the, the state of Florida, the entire state of Florida, the entire landmass area of Florida with dimes, you had dimes and you covered Florida with dimes to up to 14 and a half inches deep. And in there, in there, you've got one dime that's been pre-marked, and it's hidden. You shake them up, you shuffle them up, it's hidden somewhere. You drop a man on, on Florida, and you tell him, pick a dime. One in a sextillion is that man finding that dime on his first pick. That's the odds of that. That's the odds of eight prophecies being fulfilled as they were in Christ's life. Now, it, let's say if we took it to 34, not just 8, but we add 34 more to that. What's that chance becomes? Well, that becomes a 10 followed by 180 zeros. Okay? That's just, that's just uh, what is that, 34? That's 42 prophecies of Christ that were fulfilled. That's the probability of that. We don't even have a number for that number. We don't have a name for it. And yet there were over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled concerning Christ. 
Our good news was sacrificially provided. Christ died for our sins. And it was scripturally prophesied according to the scriptures. Third thing we're going to look at is this. This good news is solidly or solidly proven. Verses 5 through 8, you can see there on your sheet. Verses 5 through 8 speak of the resurrection of Jesus. And it says this, in that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom a greater part remained to the present. And what Paul was saying was, look, over 500 people at one time saw him alive, saw him after he was crucified, saw him after he resurrected from the dead. If you got questions about it, they're alive. Go talk to them. Go ask them. Go ask for yourself. There were 500 that saw him, and they remained to that present time. But some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, after that he was seen by James. That's his brother James. And then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, Paul, who's writing this. Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. He, he came face to face with the resurrected Christ. Uh, seen by me also as by one born out of due, due time. So we think of the appearances of the, of the risen Savior. He, was, he appeared to Peter. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to James, his own brother. He appeared to over 500 at, at, all at one time. And then, you know, here's what people say. They say, well, well, all these people that saw him alive, they had a mass hallucination. That's, that's what they say. He had a mass hallucination. So you're telling me that over, over 500 people all had the same hallucination at the same time and, and, and that they're willing to die for a hallucination. Is that, is that really what you want to tell me? So the disciples, listen, the disciples laid down their lives for their belief in the resurrection because they'd seen him. They touched him. They had handled him. They had eaten with him after the resurrection. They knew he was resurrected. They knew that Christ was alive. They had every confidence in that. Folks, people do not willingly die for a lie. They might live a lie. They might propagate a lie. But people aren't willing to die for a lie. There were many of the, the, the apostles, many of the disciples who, who were martyred, who died for the belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, there's a man named Dr. Simon, was a man named Dr. Simon Greenlee. He was a Harvard law professor. He died in 1853. He was one of the greatest law professors who ever lived. He wrote a book called A Treatise on the Law of Evidence. And, and it's studied, it studied still in law schools today. And here's what Dr. Greenleaf, he studied the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's what he said in his own words concerning the testimony of the apostles. He said, it was impossible... It was impossible that they could have persisted in affirming the truth that they narrated had not Jesus actually risen from the dead and had they not known this fact as certainly as they knew any other fact. I'm going to read that again. It was impossible that they could have persisted in affirming the truth that they narrated had not Jesus actually risen from the dead and had they not known this fact as certainly as they do any other fact. The probability with, with them living that out, their life, their willing to die for their faith testified to the fact of Christ's resurrection. The good news of the resurrection was solidly proven by the evidence of those who saw him, touched him, and testified with their lives of him. Number four, this good news is powerful to save. It is the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that has the power to save. We look again at verse 1 and 2. 
It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. It basically says you had an empty faith. You didn't really place your faith in Christ. You, your, your belief was in vain. Look, I'm going to just give you some verses that speak of salvation and what Christ did for us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace, it is for by God's grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's faith says, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Acts 16.30, and he brought, out, uh, brought them out and said, and this is the Philippian jailer, he brought them out, and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's what we all want to ask. What, what must I do? What can I, I do? We want to do. Give me something to do, because then it's in my hands. They said, uh, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There aren't many roads to heaven, folks. That's a lie propagated today. Oh, there's many roads to heaven or all roads lead to heaven. All the roads lead to heaven. You can get there. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's a, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. The Bible makes it very clear. Christ himself made it very clear that the only way to eternal life, the only way to the Father was through the Son, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 3.16, uh, uh, everybody knows this part of it. We all read John 3.16, we know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now the next two verses are key to this. It says in verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came. He didn't come to condemn. Verse 18, He who believes in Him, in Christ, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives, listen folks, that's us today. We're all, we're all out here alive in this field this morning. And whoever lives and believes in me, belief, faith, faith is coming to Christ, repentant of our sin, confessing our need for a Savior, and believing by faith in Christ. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And John asked, or Christ asked here, John wrote, do you believe this? Do you believe this? As we move down to invitation, as Pastor Aaron and, and Lindsay, you, you can come and make ready. We're going to sing here in just a moment question for you this morning out here on this field I know you're all thinking man hurry up preacher I know because I'm, I'm trying to hurry up but I'm going to trust God that he's going to hold off the rain do you believe this
Folks, do you need to be born again this morning? And if you're here under the sound of my voice this morning, you've never placed your faith. You've never come to a place where you understood the bad news. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner separated by God, by my, from God by my sin, and I need to be saved. If you've never come to that place of confessing that sin to Christ and to God and asking for forgiveness of that sin and believing by faith, placing your faith in Christ, that He will take you safely to heaven, that He will restore your relationship to God. It is through faith in Christ alone. If you need to be born again this morning, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a song here in just a few moments. And I'm going to be down here. And, and maybe this morning, listen, you go, I, you know, I couldn't walk in front of all these people. Man, you couldn't afford not to walk in front of all these people. If you realize this morning you need to be born again, I'd invite you to come down. Let me take the scriptures and, 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 and just share the gospel with you. Let's pray with you this morning. You can leave here knowing you have eternal life. You don't have to hope. Christianity, true faith, is not a hope so. This ain't some religion, some hope so religion. This is a no-so relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in need of God's forgiveness and salvation this morning? Do you need to get right with the Lord this morning? Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're a believer. You know what? I, I, I know I've got some things in my life that aren't right. I need to get that right this morning. We're going to observe communion after this song. His song is our song of invitation. It's time for you to reflect on what you've heard this morning, to respond to what you've heard this morning, to respond to what God is doing prayerfully. We've prayed all week. We've prayed for you. We've prayed for this service. Prayed that God would speak and move in your heart. You need to respond to what, what, what the Lord is doing. This is the time to respond. But we're going to observe communion after this song. So now is the time to get things right with the Lord, or maybe to get right, things right with someone else. Maybe there's someone even even here that, you, you know, maybe you need to apologize to. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness from someone that's even standing here with you. Maybe a family that's with you. Now is the time to get those things right before we observe communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Father, as we move now to this time of reflection, of just meditating and thinking upon and responding to God, what we've heard and what you're doing in our hearts, I pray that you would give liberty to each person to, to respond uh, to what you're doing in their heart and their life this morning. Would you move now in a powerful way in this time? We'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh. 
everyone I hope has your has your um, the elements for communion. Uh, I'm gonna read and our guys are gonna pray. You can peel that uh, you can peel that little top screen off and get your wafer there. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So, Brother John Egger, would you, uh, would you pray for the bread? Please. I would. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for all that you do for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you have overcome, Lord, that you conquered sacrifice you made, Lord, as part of God's plan for us to be into your kingdom, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in all we do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes well the scriptures tell us that after they after they took of, of the communion that first communion that night they sang a, sang a song together, and then they went out. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song together and then go out. I don't even know what we're going to sing. Um, how, about, how about we just do this simple chorus? Y'all, some of you know this. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to Yes. 
Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this resurrection morning. Once again, as we've gathered to worship our risen Savior. We don't worship a dead God. We don't worship God in a, a, a box or on a shelf or on the wall. We don't worship a God who's laying in a tomb. We worship the risen Savior. We thank you for the resurrection that proved Jesus Christ, you were God. And that you could do all that you told us you could do. That you could do all you promised you would do. So we have our, our hope, our faith, all rest in the risen Savior. We thank you. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all you did for us. And we thank you now for the Holy Spirit that dwells with us and speaks to our hearts and draws us closer to you. Lord, thank you for holding off the weather this morning. I pray you'll dismiss us into your care. And, uh, Lord, we just want to praise you again and thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning.